0: Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a solo episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have your attention today and for you guys to be tuning into this episode it's going to be a juicy one. I'm going to be sharing some of the things within the health and fitness industry that I have changed my mind on. So I've been in the industry now for over 10 years and I've been training since, or been training for around 15 years really in the gym and I feel like I've tried absolutely anything and everything when it comes to training, nutrition, supplementation. And as you guys would know, there is a lot of conflicting information within the health and fitness industry, which sometimes makes it quite confusing and difficult to understand what you should be doing. Now, I'm a firm believer in the fact that if you're trying to lose body fat, if you're trying to gain muscle mass, whatever your health and fitness goal is, there should be absolutely no guesswork involved in seeing the result. Now, when we are guessing our way to results, that's obviously going to spike things like cortisol. We're going to be constantly second-guessing ourselves. We're going to be questioning whether or not we're doing the right thing. And it also makes the whole experience quite shit. So I've really gone out of my way to make sure I've kept an open and growth mindset with absolutely everything in the fitness industry since day one. I think uh, the mistake that a a fucking shitload of people make, whether it's trainers, um, coaches, whatever whatever you want to put it as, people have a very closed mindset. So when they find a way that works for them, they feel like that's the only way to do things. Or if they've always done something a certain way, then they're just not open to seeing how there's a more effective or more efficient way out there. Whereas I have prided myself in understanding the evidence and the science behind nutritional protocols, training um, philosophies, again, things like supplementation, mobility and recovery and all that type of stuff. And over the years, that's meant that I have... I've had to change my view on certain things. So I might have been doing something for a, in a certain way for a certain period of time and then I've come across some information or um, research or have I experienced something in a certain way that's made me change my mind and I think that's really important not only for coaches but also for absolutely anyone who's trying to achieve their health and fitness goals is that you have to understand that, you know, Firstly, something that's optimal on paper may not be optimal for you if it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle. And secondly, just because something works for someone doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It comes back to correlation versus causation. And you know, you see someone who's absolutely jacked and shredded in the gym, you ask them what they do for their training and nutrition, they give you their philosophy on it, and that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. It also doesn't mean it's the most effective way. And I think it's important to understand You know, the the foundations behind how to eat for fat loss or eat for muscle growth, same for training, cardio, all this type of stuff. So I'm just going to share a few of them with you today and hopefully they help you out. I'm sure there's – I could do a massive episode on this because I've changed my mind on so many things over the years, whereas now I continue to look at the research and look at the evidence behind – absolutely everything that i preach because as you know i don't like to share information on things that i haven't experienced myself or that i'm not certain on and again some of the things i talk about today you know they my my view on them may change next week or next month or next year who knows but the the main thing is that you keep that open and growth mindset and um and don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong or when you change your opinion on something so we'll dive in now, the first one I want to touch on is nutrition and tracking your macros. So, early days, I was an absolute nut job when it came to nutrition. Um, I was under eating. I was overtraining. My, my understanding of how to get lean was completely skewed. I wasn't eating anywhere near enough. And, you know, I thought I was seeing really good results, but it wasn't until I understood you know flexible dieting tracking your calorie intake your macros and the science of energy in versus energy out and understanding quality nutrition and whatnot until that's when i really understood how to eat for results and you know that's the information i like to share with my clients and i'm really really confident that i have a complete understanding of exactly how to lose body fat how to gain muscle mass and and that's what i do with my clients in the dk fitness app now and and with my clients in person and myself and I document a lot of that on socials but when I first came across flexible dieting understanding that yeah, understanding things like a calorie deficit calorie surplus maintenance calorie intake and all that type of stuff I was tracking all three macronutrients through my fitness pal so if I wanted to lose fat I would have my protein set I would have my carbohydrate set my fat set and I would try and finish as close as possible to those targets within my calorie goal to make sure I see results now Don 't get me wrong, this is still a fantastic way to do it and I think for someone who is really adamant on on being as um, precise as possible and wanting to get super super lean or whatever, it can be beneficial particularly when you're at really low body fat levels to track all three macronutrients but in the last few years I've kind of changed my view on how important it is for the average person or even for myself to be honest um, in terms of tracking all three macros so what I do now instead, and I'll do this with most of my clients, is is really just focus on the calorie intake, the protein minimum. So when I say protein minimum, I mean I typically aim for 2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. So an 80-kilo individual, 2 times 8, 160, or 2 times 80, 160. So 160 grams would be the minimum amount of protein that this person should have per day. Anything above that's fine. But what I don't really suggest to too many clients anymore is trying to track all three macros. I practically just get them to track calorie intake, protein minimum, and then aim for the majority of their calories to come from more nutrient dense, whole foods and healthier options while still allowing a bit of a buffer in that intake for the things that you enjoy most or might be craving. Now, the reason for that is it really doesn't make that much of a difference in terms of your results. So, you know, carbohydrates don't make you fat, fats don't make you fat, too many calories makes you fat or makes you gain weight. It's probably a better way to put it. So when we're in a deficit, it doesn't really matter whether we're having, you know, a higher percentage of carbs or a higher percentage of fats or even amount of both. It really doesn't make much of a difference as long as we're hitting our calorie intake, which would put us in a deficit, as long as we're hitting our protein minimum. The other two variables really don't make much of a difference when it comes to body composition. Now, what I will say is that when you're tracking your food and you're getting kind of consistent with tracking the things you're eating day in, day out, and you're starting to understand your body a little better, you'll most likely find a bit of a ratio or a bit of a um, a split that works best for you. So for example, whenever I'm either in a deficit or in a surplus, to be honest, I typically lean towards higher carbohydrates and lower fats still staying within my calorie intake. But if I decided to reverse those and go higher fat, lower carbohydrate, the result's going to be the same. Now, if I'm going really low carbs, then yes, I may not hold as much water in my body. But if I'm drinking enough water, then it should make a difference. But I think the mistake that a lot of people make here is that thinking, you know, if they cut out all their carbohydrates, then that's the answer to losing fat right now. I need you to understand this. If you've gone from eating anything and everything most likely a shit ton of carbs, shit ton of fats, and then all of a sudden you cut out carbs completely, you're most likely going to start seeing fat loss or weight loss. The reason for that is not because you've got rid of carbs, it's because you've just removed a fuck ton of calories. Okay, If you're not replacing the calories from those carbs with either fats or protein, then you've just removed a whole macronutrient group or most of it, which is a huge chunk of calories, which is most likely putting you in a deficit and that's why you're losing fat. Whereas if I put you on the same amount of calories, if I put you in a deficit and I gave you as many carbs as I could within that calorie intake, you would still lose the same amount of body fat. Just like if the roles were reversed, if you're having the exact same amount of calories but higher fat and lower carb, the results would be very similar, if not the same. So my view has changed in the way of for certain people who really want to track all three macronutrients and are really disciplined and dedicated to this, then yes, it's a great idea. For the average person, it just causes too much stress and it makes things harder than it needs to be. Whereas if I just say to you, all right, I want you to hit this calorie target or as close as possible, I want you to make sure you get at least this amount of protein, drink plenty of water, choose nutrient-dense whole foods where possible, and stay consistent, you'll see very close, if not exactly the same results as the person tracking all three. So that's the first thing. The second thing I've changed my mind on, and this is something I changed my mind on years and years ago, but... When I first started, I was under the impression that by lifting light weights for higher reps, I was going to get more ripped or quote-unquote toned or defined. So I'd go in, I'd lift like piece easy weight really for a shit ton of reps until I felt like a muscle burn or I felt like it was really difficult. I'd be doing sets of 15 to 20, sometimes higher than 20 reps and I'd smash myself thinking that that's what was going to get me ripped or lean. Now, what I began to understand is that a muscle can only do one of two things. It can increase or decrease in size or maintain size, I guess. So that's three, but you can't tone or define a muscle, the the shape of it. The only thing it does is get bigger or smaller. So in order to create that defined toned illusion, the the formula for that is not lifting really light weights for high reps. It's progressively overloading in a rep range that's going to allow you to get stronger Okay, so uh, there's no magic rep range that's gonna happen for that. If I'm overloading my sets of fives, then I'm gonna gain strength and probably some muscle tissue. I think the sweet spot's typically between six to 12, six to 15 reps. And if you're overloading those as often as possible, lifting heavier weights, making sure that over time you are just progressively overloading in any way that you can, you're going to build lean muscle mass. So your muscles are going to get bigger, they're gonna increase in size. Now, to create the the illusion of definition and tone, all we need to do is remove the layer of body fat. Now, to do that, we then go into a calorie deficit. Over time, as the body fat comes down, we start to reveal the shape of the muscles, which gives us the illusion of toned or defined muscles. That's that's how the whole process works. There's no magic behind it. That's all it is. That's all there is to it. Now, the other part of that is when people go into that fat loss phase and the calorie deficit, they go from you know lifting heavier weights to, getting strong and then going into a fat loss phase and going back to the old high reps, lightweight because they feel like it's going to increase the, the definition or it's going to improve the speed of how lean they get. That's not the case because you need to think about use it or lose it. If I've built up, let's say on my squat, I've got to the point where I'm doing sets of six to eight reps with 140 kilos, right? And then I go into a fat loss phase and all of a sudden I'm doing 60 kilos for sets of 15 to 20, I don't need that muscle tissue to handle that load anymore. So I'm going to lose it, particularly when I'm in a deficit. Whereas my training really doesn't change that much whether I'm in a fat loss or a muscle gaining phase. I, I actually probably do less when I'm in a, a fat loss phase because I'm trying to retain strength. I'm focusing on calorie deficit along with retaining muscle mass, still progressively overloading if I can, but staying in those rep ranges which are going to allow me to retain that muscle mass so that when I lose the fat, I have something to show for it. Because you can lose a shit ton of weight, which is most likely going to be muscle as well. But you can even lose a shit ton of fat. If there's no muscle development underneath the fat, then you, you're going to be disappointed with the results. Because once that fat's gone, there's really no shape there. Right? Even think of something like abs. People do abs fucking all day, every day. I used to do that as well. and We'll touch on that in a second. But in order to develop your abs, you need to train them like any other muscle group. Overload them, different angles, different rep ranges, different exercises, making sure that you're you're providing them with a stimulus that that's going to allow them to grow. So that when, even when you're at a slightly higher body fat percentage, there's more muscle there. So you're going to be able to see them better, and even more so once you lose that body fat, the muscles are going to look more developed, and you're going to be able to see them a lot easier, and they're going to look a lot better. You're going to be a much happy happier camper, and that's it. It's it's not rocket science. So understanding that lightweight high reps is not going to make you toned or defined it's it's just going to increase the amount of time you're in the gym it might be good for certain movements that can handle a lot of volume and stuff but i think for the most part we should be aiming to overload and then retain muscle mass and strength and focusing on losing the fat through our nutrition our diet with the calorie deficit which is going to give us that look that we're after the next thing is cardio. When I was younger, I used to do a shit ton of cardio thinking that, that was what was going to keep me lean, even if I'm trying to build muscle mass, all this type of crazy shit. Now, I did a bit of a case study years ago. Um, I was doing a half marathon and prior to the half marathon, I just competed in a bodybuilding show and I was super lean doing one cardio session a week for 10 minutes. It was a hit session. Now, leading, leading into the half marathon, obviously my cardio went through the roof. I was doing you know a few hours per week um, of running sessions and a shit ton more than what I'd been doing prior to that. But what I did is I made sure I ate in a calorie surplus just to show people that by doing a shit ton of cardio, it doesn't mean you're going to lose fat. If your calorie intake is not aligned with what your got, body composition goal is, you won't see results. So you could have someone who goes to the gym four times a week does cardio fucking five or six times a week and still not lose any body fat if they're not in a calorie deficit. So my view on cardio now, I think it's a obviously a great thing to maintain and improve aerobic capacity and heart health, which is essential obviously. And it's going to help, you know, the, the more cardiovascularly fit you are, the better your recovery is going to be between sets, between sessions, and obviously just for your general health and well being. But for body composition, so losing body fat, Cardio should be used as a tool. So I typically start a fat loss phase with very minimal um, cardio, if any at all. And then once I hit plateaus, which is inevitable in a fat loss phase, I've got a few options. I can either increase the amount of work I'm doing in the gym to increase my energy output. I can reduce my energy input by reducing calorie intake slightly or I can increase energy output by adding some cardio. And it can just be a small amount. But I need you to understand that you you have to get rid of the association in your head of cardio is going to equal fat loss because it just doesn't. Unfortunately, it just doesn't. So use it as a tool. You don't need to – like a fat loss phase shouldn't be shit. I think for a lot of people, we associate fat loss or getting in really good shape with just a shit experience, but it really doesn't have to be. So the leanest I've ever been in my life, I was as I just mentioned, I probably did – I think I did a prep for this bodybuilding show at one point for 16 weeks and I did probably four cardio sessions the whole time and the rest of my output was coming from the gym and then making sure my nutrition was on point and eating in a calorie deficit. So start to look at cardio as a tool and don't just start a fat loss phase doing a fuck ton of cardio thinking that you're going to get in shape really quickly because it's unnecessary and if you're doing too much of it and you're not able to train effectively in the gym again you're just probably going to lose muscle mass you're not going to have the energy to train and the other part of that is when you do your cardio i used to think that it didn't really matter so i would like run to the gym i would do my my lower body workout then i'd run home i'm not saying it's a bad thing but you have to understand that your main energy output should be coming from your strength training sessions so I want to go in and do my strength sessions when I'm my central nervous system at its freshest, my muscular system's at its freshest, and I'm kind of raring to go. So if I've done a hard cardio session before I go in and do weights, the likelihood of me improving my strength or retaining muscle in that session is quite low. So I would typically do cardio after my session or com- at a completely separate time altogether, making sure that I'm not letting the cardio uh, have a negative impact on my ability to train in the gym because that should be a main priority. We don't want to, like for some people, depending on what your goal is, I think for for those that want to look kind of like that lean, athletic, muscular physique, but then you look at their training and it looks more like someone training for an endurance endurance event, like a a, a fucking marathon runner or whatever it may be, there's a bit of misalignment there. Okay, so think about the way you train and how that's going to impact the way you look. Lastly, I wanted to touch on the bro split. So, um, you know, very common for bodybuilders or for those that are just getting into the gym to think that going in and absolutely annihilating a certain muscle group once a week is going to get you gains. Now, obviously, it will improve your physique and it's not a bad thing, but it's not as effective when you look at comparing that to training each muscle group twice a week. So I'll give you an example of how this plays out. If I go in and train chest once a week, I might go in and do let's say six different exercises for, let's say three sets three sets each. <clears throat> so I'm doing 18 sets of chest per week. Now in that one workout, by the time I get halfway through,'m my chest is going to be cooked. So the back end of that workout is going to gradually decrease in efficiency and effectiveness. like I'm not going to be able to lift that heavy. It's, my chest is going to be cooked. But if I had have done that exact same workout split in two, so I still did 18 sets of chest, but I did half of the session on Monday and I did the other half of the session on Thursday, the quality of all of those sets is going to be significantly higher. So the amount of volume I'm lifting is going to be higher. The quality of each set is going to be better. The amount of, you know, so the loads I'm lifting is going to be heavier because I've broken it into two. I'm fresher for that second part of the workout later in the week. And I've increased the frequency it doesn't take a fucking week for your body to recover from one training session. all right? So we're missing out on potential progress, potential gains of strength and muscle if we're just doing once a week. I always talk about the comparison of training a muscle group 52 times per year or 104 times per year. So once a week or twice a week. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the 104 times is most likely going to give you better results. So instead of training each muscle group once a week, I like to split it my sessions up to make sure I'm targeting each muscle group at least twice per week. So give you some quick examples of that. So if you're only training twice a week, then obviously full body twice. If you're training three times a week, you might do upper body, lower body, and then full body. If you're training four times a week, you might do upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body, or you could do upper push, upper pull, legs, and then full body. Five times a week, my favorite split is that five times a week split and that's an upper and lower session and then an upper push, upper pull and then a lower. And then if you're doing six times a week, which I, I wouldn't recommend doing any more than six strength sessions a week to be honest, um, that's your push-pull legs, push-pull legs, which is a great split also. So start to focus on quality over quantity and just get smarter about your your training and, and think of it with a different perspective. Don't just follow the crowd and, and be a sheep like – make the most out of your training and your nutrition. And as I've kind of touched on, it shouldn't be a guessing game whether or not you're seeing results. All right. And that's why the clients I work with in the app, within my coaching app and, and, and face to face, I try and deliver this information in a way that helps people understand how to see results and take control of their training and nutrition. And hopefully these episodes help you guys get a further understanding of that. So appreciate you tuning in. If you've enjoyed the episode, we'd love for you to share this with a friend. Um, Take a screenshot of this episode, share on your socials um, if you feel like it was valuable. Uh, Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And guys, if you have never left a review on the show, I would absolutely love it if you could leave a five-star review um, and a rating on the episode because it does help a lot. And um, I enjoy putting these episodes and this content out for you. Um, And if it's helped you, I'd love love for you to show a bit of love in return. So thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to chatting to you guys in the next episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast.